Hi, I'm Patty Kay of pattykay.com, and you're listening to SME Stories Podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories Podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. we got a great episode today with Patty Kay. Now, Patty is a consultant, speaker, and a writer. She's the author of the U-Shaped Business Authentic Marketing for Solo Entrepreneurs. She specializes in working with business coaches, consultants, advisors to help them design and implement a marketing strategy centered on the substance of their work. She's also a former technical trainer, an e-learning specialist, and a failed stand-up comic. An introvert, voracious reader, and a pet parent. And last, but most importantly, a passionate supporter of coaches and consultants who make a difference in the world by sharing their expertise and experience. With more than 30 years as a self-employed professional, makes her uniquely qualified to do the work she does. So just based on that intro, guys, I think we're going to have a really awesome episode. I'm really curious to see how, how funny she actually is as a failed stand-up comedian. So we'll see how this goes. So sit back and absorb. All right, we have Patty Kay from pattykay.com. Patty, how are you doing? I am doing great. Happy to be here. Wow. So, yeah, it is happy to be here. I think we're recording this right in September. And uh, I'm starting to notice something, Patty. The weather is starting to get a bit chilly in the morning now. I don't know if that's happening to you. And uh, you're, in, you're in British Columbia, right? I'm in British Columbia. I'm in Prince Rupert. And it definitely feels like fall. Yeah. Wow. I don't know why. I mean, I feel like summer went by really fast. And uh, yes. now, the afternoon, it's still warm. But that morning yep. and apparently in the evening is not uh, is not as warm as we used to think. So, excellent. Yeah, it's a darkness that's getting the to light, me. The light, yes. It's so dark in the morning. <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> and you know what? We have solar panels on our roof. So, during the spring and summertime, oh. I'm all like, yes, I want sun. And you get, because we get, we're reimbursed because we charge it back to utility providers. And uh, when we, it's the wintertime, it's like less sun. So, I'm thinking... No, or when it's rainy and cloudy, I'm just shaking my fist. I'm like that old man that shouts at the clouds or something like that. You know, it's like <laughs> you you want there to be light. So, anyways, anyway, so we'll we'll get spent. Let's get to this here. So, PattyK.com, what's your story? What's my story? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what which which story would you like? It's whatever you're comfortable telling the listeners. Okie dokie. Um, sure. Well, let's start here. I am self-employed. I have uh, been self-employed virtually my entire working life, uh, which, uh, you know, back when you started with a one and working for yourself um, from home wasn't quite the thing that it has been with the uh, introduction of, of the internet. So pre-internet days. Uh, as, as a self-employed person, I started out with uh, doing computer work. I was a computer programmer, so I wrote code in my basement, which once again, I was just so ahead of the times, what, right? What, what like, language, did, what, pro, what programming language? I, I have a background in IT back in the day, so I'm kind of curious, what, what language did you use to program in? Uh, Turbo Pascal. Oh, pa oh, Pascal. Okay. Oh, yes. I did Visual Basic and C++. So that's the stuff I remember back then. Yeah. I can't do it now, but that's okay. Continue. That was good. I moved into um, um, Visual Basic script, actually, when I got into web development later. Um, 
right? Uh, writing web applications. So, I, I, yes, fun, fun stuff. Back when you had to actually like type things to make uh, computer programs, it wasn't all drag and drop. And uh, it's it's uh, uncanny, isn't it? Have you out. seen the coding stuff nowadays that kids are learning? It's like it's no. almost like games. Almost it's like you said, it's drag and drop, yeah. and you know, I'm like. Where was this stuff? Maybe I would have pursued coding back then when I was younger. Because if I'm thinking like I'm playing a game, uh, you know, I think why not? But no, it's all about, you know, rem this and running commands. And then you don't know if it's working. And sorry, continue. I'm just going off a rant here. Yes, yes. And having to get it exactly right. Um, so, uh, but it was fun. Like, I, lo I loved it. I loved being able to make something that didn't exist before. Like that I could just take something out of my head and make the computer do something. Um, it's kind of a power trip, but very creative. Um, and what I loved most about it was being able to help businesses um, by creating some piece of software that would make their life easier. Like the, the very first um, piece of software I wrote was a video store management system. So back when we used to rent out like VHS tapes. Kids will not know what we're talking about. But <laughs> you know, that's okay. Because Patty, I'll just tell you, I'm sorry to sidetrack this, but we just went from, we had, we were on vacation at a cottage. And uh, yeah. I guess we were in uh, Meaford, Ontario. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like basically two and a half hours away. And apparently there's mm -hmm. a Blockbuster store in Meaford. Now it's, it's oh, wow. only just the... Uh, the outside. So it has the blockbuster sign and all the little bit of advertising, yeah. but it, it doesn't open, right? It's, a, it's actually a closed store, yeah. but just to drive by it. And I'll be honest, when I was 15, Patty, that was my dream job was to work at a blockbuster just because I loved movies or video games when they did that. So, but yeah, so your first thing was, it, so with the software you designed, was it, was it for like inventory tracking or like customer information? What was it looking at? Yes. Uh, it Basically, it rented out movies. It, it kept track of where the movies were, who had them, when they were due back, whether they owed late charges, wow. uh, which, which was a big selling point yes. for the owners of the store. How much can we make? Uh, but mostly, mostly it sped it all up. Like you were talking about your wife having to do a lot of writing. Like that's what we did back in the day before we had computers. If you worked in a video rental store, you spent all your time writing out receipts. Um, when people rented out a movie and then you had to keep track of them and match them up to the movies that returned. Uh, so the computer made that way easier. Way easier. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. fast forward to part where you started pattyk.com. You said you've been doing this a long time prior to, like you said, the internet, which for a lot of people might sound unheard of, right? They're like, what are you talking about? We can do, you know, how did, how did solopreneurs exist? But Solopreneur has been around for a long time. It doesn't have to be so sophisticated with websites and social media. Some of it could have just been literally a lemonade stand or like making a deli or something like that. And just, I guess people got to take their mind out of the, oh my God, it's, how can you do that? But you were able to do that, which is really great. So what, what services right now does pattyk.com offer? So that just for my listeners, they know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what I do is, um, Marketing for trusted advisors. So when I say trusted advisors, they're typically business coaches, business consultants. Uh, and what I help them with um, is really help them get the wisdom out of their head and into the world is, is what that's all about. So that might be um, 
website, so website copy, email newsletters. I help people write ebooks, uh, turn um, their consulting service into like a course or a workshop, uh, that sort of a sort of a thing. So well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good good idea because I think for a lot of owners, they they just like you said, they have all this stuff going on, and because you know, being as as an owner yourself, you're juggling so many things in the air at once and to try to find time to you know lay it all out there of what you need and how to do it it's it's not very easy and you know the fact that you're actually that's your target that, that that's not your target that's the ones you like to focus on is really good actually so because i think some people a lot of owners they feel like they have to you know appeal to everybody and try to get grab as many clients as they can when you don't really have to grab everybody no, I, I mean, especially not for a lot of the businesses I work with. They work with clients very closely over a long period of time. And frankly, they charge a lot of money. So they don't need a lot of clients. But what they do need are high quality clients. And they need to be able to explain to these high quality prospective clients what they do and how it will help them, like how it will help their clients. And a lot of experts, uh, tend to talk a little bit about how they do do stuff rather than what's in it for the client. And, and it can be very difficult to see to see that when you are the expert. It's really easy to start talking over people's heads. Exactly. Uh, when you're talking about your expertise. Yeah, if you're a chef and like, let me explain to you the flour that I use specifically and the best and the best measuring cup that you that I use to make your cake for you. And you're like, good. Is the cake good? Is that that's all is that, is that all we you know, that's all they really care about, right? So, exactly. exactly. I, guess they, I guess maybe they're just trying to like, I guess try to really nail it down why they are qualified to do the job that that, that they do, right? Or or to justify their rates to, to say, why this is why I'm I'm charging the Tesla price. You're not going to I'm not going to give you the Honda Civic price, right, for the work I'm doing. So, but I think you said they can get lost in the weeds and the translation when. Unless you're, you're buying, unless your clientele is very knowledgeable of the particular product or service you're providing, a lot, most people, like, let's say just the average layman like myself, because I'm a layman, would be like, um, good, nice to know, right? So anyway, so you said you're a solopreneur, but I think I remember saying you said you do uh, outsource a few things. So how many people are on your team right now? I probably have six or eight people that I outsource. Um, specific things too. Right. So is so when you so, work with a client yeah. then, so is it like when you do like an all-in-one kind of package thing for them, that's when you utilize these ones or like, um, so these ones are like almost on retainer, right? So only as they're needed, not that they're coming in, working with you saying, okay, yeah, you're, you're going to give me 30 hours a week of work, right? No, no, it's just project by project. So for example, one of the things that I do uh, for a lot of my clients is we do website so I, when we create a website, I hire out a graphic designer because you don't want me doing your graphic design. So I get a graphic designer and then a website developer. So I work with WordPress and, you know, I do some of that kind of hands-on setup myself. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, programming a, uh, a custom design into the, uh, into the WordPress site, I hire a developer to do that. Uh, and I hire uh, a document designer to lay out uh, an ebook to make that look nice. 
somebody to crop and edit photos that go on a website, uh, somebody else to edit videos <laughs> to go on a website, that kind of a thing. So uh, depending on, on what people what people need uh, for the project. So for a lot of that kind of hands-on work. I, and that's another thing that's wonderful about um, today is you don't have to make that commitment to hiring somebody full-time or even part-time to work with you in your business. You can get really experienced, really great people on a freelance basis. And I think that that is really exciting um, for, for people who do the kind of work that I do, but also for those freelancers to be able to, to do that because um, that gives them a lot of flexibility and uh, different clients that they can work work for and they can build their own business doing the freelance work so i think it's really yeah neat. i mean i mean that's how i got my website i went to uh, a freelancer i think it was on fiverr actually and uh they were able to create uh because I, I have a square ups account so that's why it was the only reason i did it because otherwise i should have just went to you and said right so i could have just said all right patty here we go need my site it's done but uh it's good to know but speaking of which you said ebook don't you have a couple of books that you currently sell right now? Uh, yeah, I do. Shameless I have plug, a, an actual book. Absolutely, let's book. hear it. Shameless plug, sure. <laughs> what the heck? Uh, I wrote a book uh, in 2017, 2018 called The U-Shaped Business, which is primarily about marketing for solo entrepreneurs uh, and building a business uh, from the inside out. So basically figuring out what it is that you're here to do in the world, what you want for a business, how you want to structure it, what services you want to offer, uh, and beginning there. Um, and then taking that out into the world and finding people to buy from you. Whereas most business and marketing advice is find out what people want, then do something for them. My book is more about figure out what you want. Um, and then figure out how you can use that gift that you have in service of other people. So that's my actual book book. Um, and then I have a, a free ebook on my website, which is um, how to create a trusted advisor marketing machine for, for people who specifically offer advisory types of transformational services, which are invisible, <laughs> hard to explain. Um, and require a different touch for marketing. So that's what the ebook is about. Interesting. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. And where can users, where can the listeners actually find them? Uh, you can get my ebook uh, from my website at uh, pattyk.com. And the uh, U-shaped business book is on Amazon. Excellent. Good. And it's free on Kindle Unlimited. For a 30-day trial right now. <laughs> it's not audible, right? So, <laughs> Excellent. So I wanted to touch a little bit on a few of the other interview questions I have here for you. So I noticed on your, 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 your one page here that uh, to explain the difference between what is the difference between self-employment and growing a business? So when I think about self-employment, I think of, I think about what I am doing right now, which is it's mainly I am indeed creating myself a job. Like when I work when I work with my clients, 
like I, I do the work with them. I provide advice. I write copy. I help them come up with messaging. I help them design a website. I'll write articles for them. I'll, I'll write eBooks. So it's, I'm doing that kind of, I'm doing the work that I really enjoy doing with my clients and I have created myself a job. Now I have colleagues who do similar work to what I do, but they're focused on building a business. So they're hiring people to do all of those things. So they don't do the work with the clients. They'll hire an account manager to talk to the clients and they'll hire a writer to do the writing. And then they take on the job of being the business owner and their job becomes about um, managing employees and making sales and growing the business. Uh, so in my world, um, I, I see that as, as being very distinct different. Um, pursuits. And, and I notice it very much in the marketing community that I'm in, that there are people that are focused on building an agency mm -hmm. with a bunch of people. And then there are people like me who, who really enjoy doing the work that we do. Like, I love doing the consulting work with my clients. Um, that, that's what I'm in it for. I'm not crazy about managing people. Uh, so that's, that's the distinction that I, that no, I see. And I think that's a great idea. And that, the fact that you distinguish that is so, is so well, because I remember when I was a kid, I was always thinking, oh, I want to be the boss and I want to have like a lot of employees. My first taste of leadership happened probably about, my God, 2010 to 2011. And I was working at a different company and uh, I turned out to be, I was like a promoted to a team leader role after being there for a few months. And I was there and I had a team of maybe eight to 10 people that reported to me. Yeah, maybe not want to be a manager so much because it, it just got to the point where it felt very almost like high school like you know where yeah. it's like oh they said this and they said that it's almost like we're 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 grown-ups why are we why are we acting like we're in high school all this chitter chatter of stuff which i never understood so i think it kind of switched that you know now that i'm doing my own thing here it's almost like yeah i kind of don't want to have an actual play well my kids are part of the show, actually. They actually do the intro and the outro okay. and they introduce. When you actually listen to the episode, Patty, you're going to hear them like introduce you and all that sort of stuff. So okay. it's going to be very cute. Aside from them doing that, yeah. I kind of, I would either, like you said, contract out if I need to, because it makes more sense that way. So interesting you should say that. So, all right. What is the difference to you with, sorry, what is the difference between a marketing hourglass and what makes it better than a funnel? Because I think I've always heard funnel. So how is the hourglass, what is the hourglass and how is it better than a funnel? Yeah. So when we think about a funnel, and I'm making a funnel shape with my hands here, uh, we, we think about at the very top, we've got, you know, strangers. Where there, there's these leads that we're trying to get in. So we get the leads into the funnel, then we do something to nurture them and to sell them. And then we convert them into clients and yay, we win. End of the funnel. They, they come in, we do something, they buy from us and we're done. When you look at things in terms of a marketing hourglass, which is, is something that um, John Jance of uh, Duct Tape Marketing is the one who has introduced this idea. It takes into account the very real business situation of after people buy from you, they're actually the most valuable prospects you have um, in your company because it's easier to sell more services to existing clients and existing clients will give you referrals. They'll advocate for your company. And a lot of um, 
a lot of business owners, and I would say especially even self-employed business owners, sometimes overlook that. I meet so many people who are so focused on how do I get more strangers that they're overlooking some really great opportunities in the bottom of that hourglass shape, which is, well, what about the people who bought from you three years ago? What about the clients that you're working with now? Are there more things you can do with them? And, you know, are you getting referrals from those people as well? Like they, they, when you get a referral, they come in warm. It's almost like they come in the back door. Uh, they don't have to go through the whole funnel thing because they've got this warm introduction. So often what's really juicy and profitable for business owners, what happens in the bottom of that uh, rather than in the top of the funnel. And I think a lot of business owners um, put in too much effort and spend too much money trying to get strangers when it's easier to to work with the people who already know you. Well, yeah, I think, I, you know, that, you, that's such a great point because I think I, I remember I did a solo podcast, I think a few weeks ago or last month or so, where about, uh, you know, knowing your numbers. And one of the things I was talking about is, okay, so for every client, like everyone should know who their best clients are in terms of what they bring in. And my next point to that was, okay, who did they refer? And of those referrals, who's actually bought us from you? Like who actually has you've sold to as well? So then that one person that you said that referred three or four other clients, and now they've brought in X amount of revenue to your company. Those are your, your key ones, right? Like, like you said, it's, uh, it goes back to this whole thing. Why does everyone want to get everything to everybody? Because you're going to, I mean, I know it's true. You want to try to get your word out there and you, you might unfortunately attract some of the, you know, I, I call it tire kickers or, or anything like that, that like I, I used to detail cars. Right. I used to run a, a mobile detailing business and I had people calling me or messaging me saying, because they, I put my rates right on the web, web on the website back then. And a lot of them were like, oh, we know the guy down the street can do it for $20 less. Can you do that? And I'm like, you know, what? I think they're a great fit for you because they're doing it for $20 less. Cause you and I both know when someone tries to ask for a discount, it's not that it's wrong, right? Cause obviously everyone would like a deal, okay. but to us who have to provide the product or service, it's the same level of effort. Right. So if I'm, if it takes me four hours to clean a car, me doing it for $50 less, it's still pretty hard. It's, it's, it's hard. Right. So you, you don't want that. So really utilize the people that are in your hourglass. And it's almost like that circular business, because like you said, they've already, they know the quality of your work. They know that if they're, if you can earn the trust of someone that they will refer you to family, friends, other businesses that they trust. They know that you're going to treat them right. Then, you know, they know you're, you're fair in what you practice, right? Because the worst thing you can do is have, how many times you've been referred to someone and then they turned out to be a total dud, right? It's, it, it almost affects the relationship of whoever referred them to you, right? So. Absolutely, it does. So that, that's a really good thing to understand. So my next question here, is it possible to be successful without growing a huge audience or being a social media superstar? It's related directly to what we were just talking about. Um, I've been working with small businesses, trusted advisory kind of businesses, wellness practitioners, uh, life coaches, like a whole bunch of people who do the self-employment service-based business. And when I ask the successful ones how they got their business, they always tell me the same thing from my existing clients to come back and, and continue to work with me. I get referrals and then there's my personal network. Now, I have met some people that are amazingly, amazingly successful 
accomplish profitable businesses, which if you looked at their their social media presence, there's like nothing. Um, and their website might be like 20 years old, like really look like that looks really terrible. Um, but they in their business are super profitable, like they don't need it. Um, you know, they didn't build their business through social media. And, and that's Which is unheard of nowadays, right? Um, you think about it, like everyone's like, you got to have the 10,000 followers. You got to have the really high flashy websites, highly converting stuff, sales funnel websites that drive, you know, but yeah, it's interesting to hear that. So sorry, continue. Yeah, it, it's it, what it really is, is it's some, um, it's the lost art of talking to people. Um, you know, what, so it's when I ask, I ask, ask these people, it's like, you know, what are you doing to get business now? What's working for you? And they're, you know, they have these really old school answers. Like, well, I go networking, mm -hmm. you know, I go and talk to people. I prospect with people, Who'd have thought? I, you, you know, <laughs> and it, it, and a lot of those things are even easier to do now. Cause you can use social media, yeah. like you can look at social media. Uh, I don't see it as a, as a thing of itself, like social media. I see it as it's a way to advertise and it's a way to network. So depending on how you look at social media, and a lot of times when people talk about social media, they're actually like when they talk about growing followers and they're talking about putting stuff out there, hoping that people will come to them. And they're actually, they're publishing. They're using it as advertising, hoping in a lot of cases that it'll be free advertising. The other way to look at it is the world's largest networking event, in which case you're looking for people who might look like their ideal clients for you, and then you can do the outreach to them rather than putting stuff out there and waiting for them to come to you. Uh, so a lot of the people I talk to that have like maybe a very small social media following may be using social media very successfully to build their business because they're doing outreach and not annoying robot spam outreach, but genuine connection because um, you have the ability to look at like say somebody's LinkedIn profile or, or what they've posted on Facebook and you can get some idea of who they are and what they do and you can look for points of connection and you can reach out and you can start to build a relationship with them. Uh, and so there's, we've forgotten, we've gotten so wrapped up in the internet and social media that we've forgotten, or maybe, you know, <laughs> if your audience is younger, uh, too young to remember way back when, when uh, there wasn't this way of, of uh, connecting your business and you had to reach out directly or send a letter or, yeah, or uh, knock on the door. calling. I used to work for, uh, for Bell Canada a long time ago. One, that was one of my first part-time jobs. And yeah, it was paying a lot of money, but I was getting yelled at like you would not believe because I'm calling people at dinner time, trying to explain yeah. to them a rate plan that, you know, it's one thing if they set up an appointment to say, okay, you can call me at this time and we can sit down and discuss so you have the mindset of what to talk about. No, no, I'm, ca I'm, I'm, I'm calling them when they're trying to cook dinner, raise the kids, you know, waiting for someone to get home and then they have to try and, and then you're trying to overload them with information that they're not ready to absorb, right? So I think that's, a, it's, it's great that you talked about that. Cause I think it's true. We, we look at the social media stuff. We see, oh, if, if it's, if you said, if there's like a small uh, presence within social media, you're thinking, oh, these guys are not too big. And I'm trying to get my mind out of that because like you just said, they could be around for a while and they could be very profitable. And I think that's all it is. It's about what's in the bank versus what it says on the screen of how many followers or listeners or, 
or something. Cause I made the mistake before of actually trying to pay for, um, I think listeners before I tried one service, the guy's like, okay, he, char he charges me. It wasn't a reason. It was a reasonable route. It was only for like seven days. It, my downloads went up. That's great. Yeah. The minute I stopped using it, downloads went down and I'm thinking, did yeah. he, did this person actually build downloads or like, are these actual people or was it just bots that just, you know, it was like clicking on the download button, even though letting it play without actually listening to it. So it's like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, you could, then I'll charge you several hundred dollars a month so I can do this for every month. I'm like, no, <laughs> not, not interested in that. So let's not do that. So, okay. So what is your best advice for how to make for the small business owner marketing more effective, right? If we're not trying to be that social media superstar, then what can, what can we better utilize marketing to, like, what can we do to make it more effective for our small business? Yeah. So a few things here. Mostly it comes down to remember that remembering that marketing is about communication. Uh, it's really about what you say uh, and it's about who you're trying to reach. So um, my best piece of marketing advice for anybody is to talk to your clients and to listen to what they have to say. So for example, when, when my clients had their initial meeting with a prospective client, as, as consultants or coaches, we're, we're going to say basically like what's hurting, what's going on. Where does it hurt? That, that is, yeah, it, it really, it really is that it, it's like, you know, it's like, tell me a little bit about why we're having this call today. It's like, what inspired you to reach out? What's going on? What can I help you with? And then, and then listen to what they say and write it down because they are, they are creating your marketing for you because they're telling you what, what they want and they're telling you what they don't want and they're using the language that they will respond to. So if you can put marketing out into the world that basically matches what I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to notice it because you're speaking my language and because I'm thinking about that. Um, and, and that's what really good copywriting is about. That's what really good messaging, like when people go, oh, I don't know what to write on my website. It's like, write those things that those people told you. So for example, if somebody comes onto the call and says, um, I'm really frustrated because I can't hire the right people. I've got people that are leaving. Um, they don't stick around. Uh, I don't know how to get people that have a work ethic. <laughs> like, it's like, it's whatever those people are saying, then that's what you put on your website. So if you can just imagine if that person is saying, I can't find good people, I can't get people who have a good work ethic. How do I get people to last for more than two weeks on the job? If your website says, I'll help you find people who have a great work ethic and we'll stay with you long-term, then that person is going to say, wow, you know, they're going to pay attention to that. But, so it's, it's really kind of simple. It's like, it, it's like whatever people are asking for that you can help them with uh, to kind of repeat it back to them. Well, that's, that's such a great point, actually, just thinking about it, is that they're writing the marketing material for you. I mean, that's a great way to post, put it. I've never heard it that way before, which is simple, right? Because when we just, I, when I made the joke of, oh, where does it hurt? And the fact that you jumped mm -hmm. on it, that's what they, that's what they want. Right. And yep. I guess maybe we have this tendency to overcomplicate things that we got to use different, you know, ninja techniques, strategy stuff that we either read in a course or, you know, someone told us or some influencer said, this is the ultimate marketing tool for all, for what you need to do to land more clients for your business. Right. So 
it's nice to, to try to simplify it in a way that, you know, I think people want simple solutions and not everything can be super simple, but start with simple. And if it has to get more complex, then we add layers of complexity to it. And that's what we do, right? So our final question before we get into the actual industry part of it. Now, how can you, now that we're going through a lot of stuff here. So <laughs> how do you stand out when there's so much noise and competition out there, Patty? Well, I can tell you um, thing one, is if you actually listen to what your clients want and repeat that language back to them, uh, you will stand out because most people don't do that. Uh, most people want to talk about themselves. So if you go, you go to most websites and you're going to see that it's about the person or the company that, that has the website. It's not about the person who's going to buy. So if you can make it customer-centric, that can go a long way towards standing out. Uh, and the other piece of this, especially if you are a solo entrepreneur, is to be you and to use your personality because there is only one you. Um, and it's, you know, it's your way uh, of describing things. It's your spin on things. You can have, um, ha take a stand, have an opinion, uh, you know, but be yourself. So there's a little bit of personality involved in that. But, um, but that combination of being yourself and being extremely centered on your client and how you can help them is a great way to stand out from a whole bunch of people that are talking about themselves. That's true. That's true. All right. So now we're going to do a little bit of from the industry here. So what in, in your opinion, Patty, what's the current state of the marketing industry and where do you think that, where do you think it's going right now? Well, I have, um, <laughs> currently, I think there's a lot going on in terms of like using artificial intelligence. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, the bots that write copy, uh, that develop content. I'm seeing that they've got uh, artificial intelligence that can like create graphics and stuff like that. I think we're seeing a lot of that, um, uh, AI and, and, and outsourcing as well. That this is, uh, Mark Schaefer calls it like content shock. Like there's just, just ton of stuff and it's getting easier and easier and easier to create stuff. So from my perspective, looking at that, I'm like, okay, what's left? <laughs> like what's left for people? Like, like when everybody is using a robot to generate, you know, tons and tons and tons of content, what's left? And I believe that this is where solo entrepreneurs in particular have an advantage is it's personal relationships. It's going back to that talking to people. Um, having those relationships, doing the stuff that doesn't scale, doing the stuff that robots can't do. So it's about having some personality and connecting with people one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. And I, I think we're going to see more of that, uh, especially for the people that I work with, you know, the solos and, and that. And, and I've, all, I've said this for years, that there is, the, that is an advantage, the ability to be able to connect with people one-on-one -on -one and to have the time to do that and to be the owner of the company that can adjust how you offer services to make it more customized, that all of this has always been an advantage that the solo has over the big corporation that has bureaucracy and rules and policy, and they can't change those things and they're being you know, cold and they're trying to fake being personal. And it's like, wow, you have the opportunity to actually be personal. Using yeah, I mean, think of it this way, right? Like if you're, if you're trying to pivot, think of it, what's faster to pivot, a yacht or a speedboat, 
right? So you think of the Yad we'll talk about as the big corporations and for them to pivot is very hard. It's, it's slow, it's long versus a speedboat that can easily deviate and go, it can turn it as, as, as much as you said. And I think what I also think too about AI as well, like, and I've had a copywriter on a few weeks ago too, and they're saying, because I asked them, okay, so is copyright is, is using a bot bad, or sorry, not bad, using AI bad. And they might say, well, not necessarily bad. If you try to use it to create everything for you without reviewing it, yes, it's bad. But if you're saying you're stuck on something and you want to just see a, a little idea that maybe you can then take that and then tweak it to more of your thing, that's what they might use a, an AI uh, thing for, which it does serve a purpose. I wouldn't suggest you use that for everything, right? Because it, you, it takes away that, like you said, that personality to it, right? It's just very, it almost sounds robotic, but <laughs> mind, mind the puns. So, okay. So then let's take a look about, so the actual marketing industry you talked about, what, what it is. So what do you think people's common misconception is? Like when you're going to, a, when you're meeting, meeting a client at discovery call, do they have any preconceived notions of like what you're going to do for them that, uh, you know, that people should know about? Yeah, a lot of times people come in with this, it's that the big numbers thing that you talked about earlier. It's the, how do I get lots and lots of leads? How do I get thousands of people on my email list? How do I get 500 people onto a webinar? Uh, you know, I had a client um, a little while back that says, you know, you know, Patty, if I had 100,000 people on my email list, I wouldn't have to worry about marketing. Like, now, this is a person who works with clients one-on-one -on -one that might need 20 clients a year, <laughs> of like new clients a year, right? They do not need 100,000 people on an email list to get that um, and to do the things that you'd need to do to get 100,000 people on an email list would turn off the 20 people that want <laughs> more of a personal, personal touch, connection, yes. right? So. It's, it's sometimes it, it's very much about um, how they see marketing. So that, like, that's the one thing is about the numbers. The other is they see it as, as a, like that funnel that we talked about earlier. They see marketing as only being the very top of the funnel. How do I get more strangers? How do I get in front of, of people who haven't heard of me? How do I make a lot of noise? How do I stand out? All of that. And it's all about how do I get in front of people who don't know me? And often... You know, from my perspective, I look at that whole hourglass and I'm like, how are you talking about what you're selling? And what about your current client? And what do you want? Like staying in touch with them is important because you can get referrals from them. So that you can remind them that you exist and then they can come back three years later and work with you again. It's like, it's just, it's, in my mind, it's more important to continue to nurture the people that already know a little bit about you rather than constantly out there hunting for strangers. So that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest misconception. Well, yeah, I think you brought up a great point. I, th I love that analogy you just talked about. Like they want 100,000, but literally only needs 20, right? It's just so yeah. dumbfounding to me. It's like, well, do you, I, I use the analogy too. When I used to work as a, as a detailer before, and I was always very open to share my knowledge with other detailers. And there were some that were just very standoffish. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to, I'm like, okay, think about this. Let's say it takes you an hour to clean a car. You maybe can do what, four, five, six people at a time. And think about your neighborhood and think of all the surrounding areas. How long, how many people that is? It's same even, I used to be a personal trainer as well. You cannot train everybody, right? So you don't need 
you know, a thousand clients. Like you said, if you got like 10, 15, 20 good paying ones that will always use you, you know, then maybe add a client. And then, like you said, scale up to when you know, when you feel like you're ready to scale up and you'll know that number. Cause once you start having trouble managing the client roster you have then, then, you know, okay, let's take back my marketing down just a smidge, right? Or maybe I bring in someone else that maybe can help as well so that we can alleviate some of this workload before you just feel like, oh, you gotta, you gotta spend 20 grand in marketing a month just to try and, you know, like you said, grab all, grab everybody, which doesn't make any sense. So. Hey you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Now it's time for tips from the pro. All right, so now we're going to go from tips for the pro, tips from the pro here. So these are more marketing. Well, everything we talked about was marketing so far, but we'll say now the analogy is this, Patty. So they said, okay, Patty, I love your story. I want to do something similar to what you do. So these are more geared towards starting their own marketing business. We won't call it an agency. We'll call it a business. Okay. So, all right. What are the most, what are the, what are the most uh, common expenses that most people don't see that I, that will be surprised if I start my own business? Um, time. Yeah. Which may be a weird thing to talk about in terms of, of expense, like, but the amount of time that it can take to get a business off the ground is, is often something that, that people, um, don't recognize up front. Like you can start the kind of business that I do, you can start for free, basically. If if you embrace this idea of going to talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, like, like technically I don't need a website. <laughs> I mean, I'd need a phone. I need to be able to get in touch with people. I need an email address, that kind of thing. Um, but I could go to a networking event and I could meet people and I could talk to them about marketing and I could get clients through that way. Right? Like, so there's not a lot of necessarily expenses in setting up a business like I've got. Uh, however, it can take some time before you meet people, develop that know, like, and trust and actually get your first few clients. And sometimes um, I think people underestimate how long um, th that might take to get something going and, e and like, even just to get your first few clients, but then beyond that, to get to a place where you have enough clients that you can count on it as a steady full-time income. Uh, so it's, it's a time expense and that's, you know, it's, uh, probably more, more expensive in some ways than money. Oh, interesting. That's a good point. I never thought about that before. That's great. What are some maybe profitable niches in marketing in the marketing space that I can maybe start off in. I guess maybe some people think of marketing, they think of the mad men kind of thing with the big boards and all that sort of stuff. But is there anything that if someone just wants to say, okay, I want to start something, but I, I can't compete with some of those people yet. And maybe there's some smaller types of services I can provide within the marketing space that maybe I can start use that to build that capital before if I want to really try and reach those other legs. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's all kinds of demand for done for you. That people are overwhelmed, they have no time, and they want stuff. They want stuff done for them, right? And so there's lots of opportunity to do 
that kind of that kind of thing, you know, to take somebody's social media marketing off their hands. Like I'm betting you could go into uh, a networking event. And I'm thinking specifically about an in-person networking event, right? Like chamber of commerce or something like that and go in and say, and when they ask you to introduce your business, you say, oh, I take social media marketing off people's hands. I, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you walked out with people, you know, approaching business you cards, to ask about cell that. cell phone numbers, exchanging. Exactly, because they don't want to do it, right? So, so to to make that kind of offer, that part of it, and part of the opportunity that I see here is to go somewhere else. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, if you were to do social media, like say you're going to offer social media marketing, most people are going to go, well, that field is absolutely flooded with people because they're going to social media and everybody on social media and their dog is selling social media marketing. But the last time I went to a live in-person networking event, it's probably been three years, but there was nobody in that physical room selling social media marketing. They were at home on their computer trying to sell social media marketing against thousands of other people all over the world offering social media marketing. But the people who are looking for that aren't necessarily on social media. Interesting. They, 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 like they might be looking at social media, but they don't know anything about it, or they've heard that they should do it, but that's not necessarily where they're looking to get that service. But if you go somewhere that's not social media, <laughs> if you're on a print ad percent of postcard or something like that, that, that those people might be interested in it, but not necessarily on social media to look at like, like it's the people who go on twitter to um to sell twitter help versus going on linkedin to sell twitter help because hmm. people on linkedin are on linkedin but they don't know anything about twitter yeah i mean that's i think that's such a great point actually too because it's funny how you can find certain things we were over, over this past weekend we were at we went to the cne so the Canadian national exhibition exhibition here in toronto you'd be surprised when i just my brain was almost blown up with all the vendors that were there, all the suppliers that were there. And I'm like, I almost, <laughs> I, I feel bad for saying this, but maybe not, but I almost felt bad being there with my family because I would have talked to every single one of them and to try to get them onto the show because I was like, okay, what is your story? And I, you know, it's kind of hard with my kids asking, oh, can we buy this ice cream sandwich? Or, you know, my, my wife say, hey, look, there's the ketchup and mustard flavored ice cream. Should we try it? And I quickly say, no, we should not try it. I don't want to try. <laughs> If I want that, I want, I want on a hot dog and a hamburger. And I don't want that in ice cream. But yeah, it, it's so interesting to go, to go to someone, just talk to them. And when I tell people, when I meet suppliers or, or, or businesses, I tell them on a podcast host, they're like, really? And I guess they always think like, this is, why can't you do it? And I found someone that's actually, they made, uh, I guess, watches, but the bands were actually made of uh, wood, environmentally friendly wood. And it looked, you couldn't, if it wasn't wood, I wouldn't have known. And it was actually like, oh, wow, through sustainable materials, all that sort of thing. I'm like, that's perfect. And he's like, he was no, he, no rush for him. He actually, no, it was a big rush. He wanted to give me his business card right away and say, yeah, let's, let's talk more. Cause I guess he had clients that were coming up. So it's good to hear that type of thing. So, all right. So next question on this one here, um, how do you educate yourself and stay up to date with the marketing industry? Oh. I read, read a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I read a lot. I take courses. I'm, uh, 
I spend a lot of, you know, I spend a significant amount of money taking courses and, and, you know, keeping my, my skills up to date. I, I think that that's really important um, to succeed in this kind of, uh, kind of a business. Yeah, no, that, that's a great thing to hear. All right, last question on uh, tips from the pro here. What is your best strategy on dealing with difficult clients? Uh, that don't take them on. Don't take them on. <laughs> why not? Why is that so simple? But yet a lot of people don't follow that. <laughs> Explain that to me, Patty. <laughs> well, partly this this comes down to this whole idea of of being yourself and not trying to get everybody. So a lot of times. The way people look at marketing and sales is kind of like there are people out there and I need to go and convert them into clients. So I need to somehow convince them that they should buy this thing from me versus um, seeing the world as where do I find the people who already want what I have to offer? And, and when you do it that way and you're not trying to convince people and you're not like when I look at some of the advice for kind of strong arming people into making yourself it's like you're setting yourself up to work with difficult clients like a lot of my clients are coaches and part of what they do is they help people you know take action and move forward and meet their potential and all of this now if they have to really push those people to get them to sign up for coaching once they're in coaching they can expect that those are going to be difficult clients because it wasn't real they weren't really into it they weren't ready to do it, and now they're going to be resistant. They're not going to get value. They're going to be unhappy. They're not going to do the homework. It's not going to be a fun engagement for the coach, uh, but they've actually set themselves up to have a bad client. Whereas if they only attracted the kinds of people who are ready for coaching, enthusiastic about it, inspired, who want to work with them that have like a, a personality and some chemistry and some connection, um, it creates a whole different experience. Yeah. That, that, that's great to think about too, right? Because I, I mean, I've spoke to a lot of guests in the past and a lot of them are saying too, that some of them, they almost like they filter out the, 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 all the prospects to find out, okay, the ones that they want to work with and the ones they don't. Right. And if it's, they have a feeling that they're not going to work out in whatever she, they have no, they said, you know what? They said to me, Ken, I would rather turn them away and be friends than bring them on and have this consistent headbutting of clashing of things. And because the one thing I don't think any business owner wants is that email or that meeting with the client that they really don't like. Because they know if, especially if it's like, say, a half hour, an hour session of whatever it is, it's just going to drain you. You're going to want to take a nap afterwards. So. You know, you don't want that kind of stress, right? So that, that's good to hear. So, and I sorry, I've had thought of one last one here for tips from the pro. What is the best billing practice I should do? Should I do it per hour? Should I do a monthly retainer? What is, what is your opinion, Patty? What would be the best one to start with? Or even maybe just the one you go with? Yeah, um, for me, uh, I'm a big fan of value pricing. And which is thinking about this, once again, this is a client-centered way to look at it. It's basically, okay, what is this worth to the client? Like, look at your pricing based on that. I, I mean, it has to fit within your your hourly rate um, or, or, you know, your goals for your business. Like, so when I look at, when I look at pricing 
and, and how to set that up, I look at it as um, it, it's got to work for your business, right? It, it's, it's got to financially, it's got to make sense. You can't be like the fellow that I talked to years ago who said he wanted to make $100,000 a year and he thought he would charge $20 an hour. Um, the math has to add okay. up, right? That you can meet your financial goals. So it has to work for your business. Um, it has to work for your client. They have to see whatever it is that you're creating or doing for them as being worthy of what they're paying for it. Um, so it, the price has to work for them. And then the price has to work for you as an individual, meaning you have to feel comfortable charging that amount. So there's there's an amount, like when you think about your prices, there's an amount where it's like, man, if I charge that amount of money, I'm going to resent my clients. Like I won't feel like I'm being paid adequately, so I have to charge more. And then there's a ceiling kind of a price where it's like, oh, I can't charge that, that's too much. So you got to find one that fits you. So if you look at that as a Venn diagram of three circles, like the ideal pricing is in the middle of that. The client feels it's reasonable, you feel it's reasonable, and it meets your financial goals. So in, in terms of charging, if you can do things via project, right? So for a client, because you're on your client and you're like, take my social media off my hands, how much does that cost? And somebody quotes you an hourly rate, then you're in your head, you're going like, how many hours is that going to take? Is it going to be like two hours or is it going to be a hundred hours? Like they don't know. So then that feels kind of scary, but you say, oh, I'll, I'll do that for you for $1,200 a month. Now they know how much it's going to be, and then they can decide whether or not that's worth it to them. So it's it's easier for them to to make that decision. Yeah, right? it's funny because we, um, we talk about social media. Sorry to cut you off there, what? It's just that when yep. people think social media marketing and management, they think, you mean just posting stuff? How hard could that be? It's not that easy. I mean, the actual task of posting something is not hard, but the messaging behind it, the, the graphics you want to use, the video or whatever, and the timing of when to do it. Right, because people think, "Oh, I'm going to post it; everyone's going to see it." Oh, not everyone's going to see it. But uh, that's interesting. You say, "Sorry, finish off that last thought you had there." Yeah, it, it, but that's just it. Like, like when you talk about the price thing, right? And it's kind of like this comes down to the, the communication and the marketing and, and what you're doing for people. It's like, are you posting social media for them? somebody that already knows how to do it. And they can say, oh yeah, it takes me three hours a month to do this. And you're charging me, well, it's not $400 an hour. That's crazy, right? Uh, because they're seeing that as just that task of posting social media. But if you're coming in and you're saying, okay, we're going to do a social media strategy for you. And we're going to figure out what what to post, where to post, what it needs to say, what the imagery needs to be like to reach those clients. Like, and, and you kind of spell out the thinking behind it um, of what you're doing and it's no longer a task. Now it's something to help you build your business as part of your marketing plan for executing your marketing plan. Then that becomes a different kind of a project, right? So no, that's, that's great to hear. So let's go more on these lighthearted questions here. So we're, we're almost at the rapid fire round, but now this is more of the, I guess a couple of questions oh. <laughs> that are more just relaxed, more less intensive kind of thing. So you've been doing okay. this a long time, Patty. How do you balance the work? I'm sure you have a lot of loved ones and all that sort of thing. So how do you balance it? Especially for a lot of beginners, like a lot of startups, they're going to be like, oh, they're going to work crazy hours. They might have a spouse. They might have kids. They might have a dog, right? They might have pets and friends. And how do you balance everything? Yeah. I, 
not a fan of the idea of balance. One of my clients calls it um, integration, and I like that better. Uh, I work from home. I've worked from home forever, so th there's not um, there's not a clear distinction between my office. Like, I mean, my office is is I don't go in this room except when I'm working. Uh, so there is a little bit of physical kind of distinction, but part of it is just. Um, kind of taking advantage of some of the freedom that comes from working from home. And, and sometimes that means being able to go grocery shopping in the middle of the day when the store isn't so busy. Uh, taking, being able to take a break and snuggle with my pets uh, during the day. Like there's, there's those sorts of opportunities that, that come up. Uh, part of it for me is having, um, is having a routine. Like, like I go to work in the morning. It feels very much like going to work when I make that make the walk from the kitchen <laughs> to the office over to my computer. <laughs> That's my walk to the office, and I'm going to the office. And when I turn on my light and turn on my computer and sit down in this chair, I am now at work. And I've had that kind of work routine uh, for years and years and years and years. I don't have a commute, uh, but you know, I I do find myself sitting here in this in this chair all day all day long. So. I think it's really help, helpful to have to have a routine um, and to uh, to block the calendar off. Like you know, I'm not the best person for taking weekends off. I actually enjoy working on the weekend. And this is part of that work life integration. Um, I, I very rarely work a full eight hour day. Hmm. I I don't have the the energy <laughs> or the ability to sit here that long. I mean, it's just like I, I I've gotten older. It's it, 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 and I don't have to put in FaceTime at an office or something. So it's like when I'm done and I've got nothing left up here, nothing left to do, I can walk away. But I will work on a Saturday. Uh, so that's part of how that that balance that is. Oh, no, that, that's great to hear. I mean, it's very simple. It's, it's good to hear. Like, like you said, a work-life integration versus balance, right? Because I've heard a lot of different tips from a lot of different guests. So it's interesting to, to hear that. Is. So. All right, last time, last question before we hit the fun stuff. Well, this is more fun stuff anyways, but what has been the funniest small business story you've had in, in your, ever since you've been running your company, what's been the funniest story you've had so far? The funniest story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, great question. Um, the one that immediately comes to mind is like way back in, when I was writing computer programs and my partner was the one that was in charge of sales. And he says, Patty, you have to come and meet this client. I didn't want to meet the client because I didn't want to talk to people. And he says, Patty, you have to come and meet this client because you have to explain Turbo Pascal to them. And we walked into that business and I was supposed to explain Turbo Pascal. And, you know, when my partner put the computer down on the on their counter <laughs> to do the demonstration, this couple, like, literally took a step back because they were afraid of the computer and i'm like they don't want to know anything about turbo pascal <laughs> they want to be reassured that this thing that we're talking is right about thing. is actually going to help them the way you made it sound it seemed like you were taking out a desktop with the big fat monitors you remember those ones back then like we... that's exactly what we did oh, really? that's how we did a demo <laughs> wow no I, I i he had the monitor under one arm and the like the the actual computer CPU under the other, and I walked behind him trying to 
trying not to be seen oh my carrying goodness. the keyboard and the barcode scanner. Oh my goodness. That is, that is wild. That is wild. <laughs> That's what we did before we could do. We're so blessed now that we could do online demos for this kind yeah. of stuff. So yes, we had to actually bring our own computer. Oh yeah, I'll tell you a really funny one too. I used to do, I guess, a multi-level, multi-level yes. marketing thing, probably back in when I was in my teens. And this is before I didn't know what multi-level marketing was, right? And is it bad? Is it a bad business? No. If if you're if you hustle, I'm sure you could probably do it. I mean, I always hated the fact that you would always have to go after family and friends first to try to get it going. But anyways, I had a business where they, yeah, they they gave me this catalog and they said, okay, you go to everyone you want and you try to show them. For a lot of these multi-level marketing firms, it's not really about the products. It's more about get it to recruit them to do the business as well, right? So that's what a lot of these ones did. So, but I I kept it very simple from my perspective. I said, oh, let me just go with the products, right? That that's that's simple. So I would go to all my family and friends with my catalog in the hand. I said, let me do the grocery, let me do the shopping for you. And this is before online stuff, right? Then the because right then during that time, there was something called the internet that was slowly starting to come around. And the idea of e-commerce, of buying stuff online, was very new. So before that was that was a a concept. So before you, I would show the catalogs and they would say, all right, I'll take, I'll buy some of these Q-tips from you and then I'll buy this. My late grandmother bought one of the first digital cameras I think I ever saw. It was like, eight, it was like $800 <laughs> back then, right? So she must have loved me. So I had the best story, the best tip, the funniest thing I had, I would show this to all my family and friends and I would just obviously buy the stuff wholesale and sell it retail, simple model, right? But I had a key uh, weapon in my arsenal there, Patty. You know who that was? Mom. Because if any of the family and friends did not pay me, she was my accounts receivable person. Oh, my mom holds a yeah. lot of weight with a lot of the family and friends. They're saying, "Hey, you haven't paid my son yet. Why haven't you paid him yet?" And then the the next thing you know, people writing checks, and when checks were a big thing, and cash and everything. So, anyways, that was my little fun story here. Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. Sorry, all right, last one's now. Now we have the rapid fire round. Now we're going to try to ask some very quick questions. We'll see if we can get it. We're just almost at the hour here. Okay, so question number one, Patty. What would the 15-year-old self be thinking you'd be doing right now? Teaching. Teaching what? Uh, teaching university. Professor. Okay, interesting. Yes. Interesting. Okay, <laughs> second question. All right, if there was a sandwich named after you, what would be in it? Vegetables. Vegetables. <laughs> I'm waiting for the complete sandwich there, Patty. So all I have is vegetables. <laughs> well, bread Re too. Vegetables. And <laughs> so just literally vegetable. Any vegetable and bread. It would be like broccoli. Bro <laughs> broccoli. And what would it? And what would it be called? <laughs> uh, the K. The K. Put it on a shirt. All right. Which, <laughs> what word or phrase do you use? Sorry. What word or phrase do you most overuse? 
Awesome. Awesome. I that, that's a good one. I like that one. I I use the word you know, <laughs> right? I'm surprised how quickly I'm trying to consciously not say it so much nowadays because I would transcribe my episodes and then I would listen to it. I'm like, holy crap! I say you know a lot. So awesome, excellent. Okay, what is something that most people are obsessed with that you do not get? Um, TikTok. I am shaking my head in agreement. The Kardashians. Oh my God. <laughs> Whatever they TikTok, are. TikTok, the Kardashians. My thing is Wordle. I still have no idea how, how to play Wordle. And oh, I, love I have no Wordle. clue how to do it. You know, my wife sometimes, Mrs. Cage, shows me, look, I got on the first try. What is it? A crossword? What is this? Right? So, and TikTok, my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter knows more about TikTok than I do. So she's probably say, Daddy, you going to do TikTok? Why? I do a podcast. What am I going to TikTok for? So, all right. Next question. What would you rather go 30 days without your phone or a lifetime without desserts? Oh, I'll give up the phone tomorrow. <laughs> what is so, your go-to dessert, Patty? What is your go-to one? Ice cream. Ice, any ice cream? Exception of <laughs> ketchup and mustard that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going for ice cream no. with you because I don't know where you're going for ice cream. But it's like, no, I like it. I, I like ice cream like with some caramel sauce. So any ice cream, as long as there's like caramel on it, you're good. Okay, mine is and, and chocolate's good. Chocolate, yeah, mine is my mom's famous pineapple chiffon cake. I don't know why, but Ooh. I tried to make that eleven times. I failed eleven times. So, and I try to do the exact same. She has the recipe for me. I still can't get it. So. But when she makes it, it's the love. Oh, she it's adds. the love. She adds the love. <laughs> All right. So I told it. I told the listeners just in the intro that Patty is also a stand-up comedian. Who is? Who, in your opinion, is the greatest stand-up comedian right now? Oh, I love Mike. Bur Mike Burbigula. Mike? Who? I think he's great. Mike. Bur <laughs> he's got Netflix specials. Okay. We'll watch him. He's great. Sorry. Yeah, I've never. I'm sorry. I've never heard of him. Uh, so okay. He's the greatest. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too old. I'm thinking like, I like the Eddie Murphys back in the day. And Oh, I remember when Delirious came out. You know how many times I rented that from Blockbuster? <laughs> We're tying this all the way, this whole, tying this whole episode back to Blockbuster and videotapes and video stores. I rented that thing like seven or eight times before just asking my parents, can you just buy me that from my, for Christmas? Mm. Eddie Murphy, really funny. Loved, I, I loved his comedy stuff, right? And I heard he was going to do a comeback, but I guess uh, he has not. Oh. But it's good to know. And uh, all right, so last question here on the fire and the rapid fire round. What is your theme song and why? So when that song, when you're walking down the street, that song hits. What is it that uh, people know that Patty's coming? I don't have one. No. Those. Not at all. <laughs> this is a first. We don't have someone that has a theme song. Wow. I, I totally need a theme song. <laughs> or, you know, we'll make it simple. What is your favorite song? I don't even have that. <laughs> it's like if somebody asked me my favorite book, it's, it's like. What day of the week it is. I can yeah. tell you the, the, depending on what day of the week, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. all right no that, that that's awesome so what any final thoughts that any advice that final thoughts that you can give the listeners on you know the marketing space starting their own business what, what can what can you give them 
Uh, it's going to sound like really cheesy, uh, but whatever it is, do something that you really want to do. Um, and that this whole thing about starting a business and being self-employed and all of that uh, requires a whole lot of things that are outside of what you do, right? So whatever it is that you're doing, make sure it's something that you really love to do of because it has to be worth the effort, right? Like I love working with my clients. I love the work that I do. And that makes worth doing administration and answering emails and doing all of the things that I have to do in order to do that work. And I just, I think that that's really important that because I think I see some people try to start businesses doing things that maybe other people have told them that they should do, or they feel like they're good at, or they feel like it's the thing that's going to make the money-making money. schemes um, or anything, right? Like you see it online nowadays. The, the MLMs yes. like that you talked about, it's like, but if you can't kind of put the energy into it, if it's not worthwhile, it's like, it's really like, it's really hard to gain that momentum. It's really hard to sell stuff. You don't want to do it. Wow. It's, do what you really love, which is a, like you said, a very simplistic message, but really resonates because that's the one that's going to continue and keep you going, right? When you dread it, it's not going to work well. So, wow. So where can people reach out to you, Patty? Pattyk.com. Pattyk.com. All right, Patty, it was a great having you on this show. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. That's Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. All right. That was our episode with Patty Kay. So I think a couple of points that stood out. It was a lot of fun. It was a really fun interview that I had with her. And I think the couple of things is that she talked about time, that uh, you could actually start your business almost for free. Like she's talked about, like I said, you don't really need... Um, a website, you could literally go out and and really talk to people, whether it's at a networking function, a, an actual in-person networking uh, sanction, I'm sorry, networking function, and really generate clients that way, uh, which is actually very interesting because I think a lot of people, we try to do things from our computers and uh, and our, so, uh, our mobile, mobile devices, see if we can land clients that way. And it's, you know, maybe you can, but there is, there's no harm and there's nothing wrong with old school shaking hands or, you know, virtual shake hands or that elbow bump or that foot thing where you get hit each other's foot, depending on if a person's comfortable or not. But going out and actually meeting people and maybe networking points are a really good option to go to, uh, to, to really get your, your, your services marketed there. So that's one thing that I thought is like, oh, all that stuff and taking the time though, that like it is going to take time and we cannot rush that. As I know we want to have all the you know, the big clients come to us right away, but sometimes, you know, it, it's a slow build. Um, as long as you're doing everything you can to promote your business and to get it out there, you should be okay. And I think the second thing uh, going there is it also goes back to that physical thing we're talking about, but, you know, trying to really market your services to, you know, I mean, maybe there's only one point that I really have to make is actually go physically meet people, right? That That's what I do. Really look into chamber of commerce meetings or board of trades in your local region and really just go there um, and, and go 
talk to people and just get your name out there. Because I think she used the example that, you know, she, she talked about going to a networking function where, uh, let's say the space was social media marketing, right? So, you know, I think I asked her about what's the best niche to start with. And she mentioned social media. And I think most people think, oh, well, I'm going to try to compete online with, you know, and it's so saturated. But that's doing it from your computer. When she was using the example that for a lot of networking, physical networking spaces that she's been to, not anybody was offering social media marketing. And if you think about it, you go to these uh, networking events, you know, and you really show them what you have. You could, you'll be surprised that if I'm in a networking function, if I could either sign up with a social media, social media marketing person on the computer versus if I actually meet someone in a networking meeting where they physically do it, and now I have the face next to the name, and if I let no like and trust this person, then I'm more willing to maybe consider them versus the one on the computer because you're just going off of maybe some rates and maybe some testimonies. But if now you're speaking to the physical person who might be handling that social media marketing face and you're actually being able to communicate with them directly and that might be something you should consider. So, all right, guys, that that's it for the episode today. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed recording it and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the SME Stories podcast, which is owned by Northway Capital Group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway Capital Group.